like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And it's the first episode of 2021. We have made it out of 2020 somewhat alive and kicking. Um, we're starting the year off with uh, the theme Mick Turnbo, which is 80s action movies. And we are excited to uh, get to our first review of 2021 with Red Dawn from 1984, um, a movie that neither Corey nor I had seen prior to this episode. Uh, but before we get into our review, we like to catch up, see how we've been doing, especially since uh, it's a major holiday has just occurred. Um too and, uh, see what else we've been watching oh yeah i guess that's true we recorded before christmas and then uh now it's after new year's eve which is the real holiday i would say even though technically new year's day is the holiday but whatever uh, so i'll take it <laughs> right right how are you doing today Corey? on uh, the first day of 2021 yeah i'm doing pretty good you know yeah. trying not to jinx it but i mean I didn't do a lot today, except for what I wanted to do. I can. I also kind of did that. Um, Kathy had to work, which is like the first time in a long time that I think she had to work on New Year's. Um, mm. And uh, Taylor had to work, um, oh. but like Taylor worked like four thirty to ten, and Kathy was like ten to seven. But um, I took Kathy to work, and then I, I did I did some things, but not a lot of things. I I went to. Uh, you know, I've been losing weight for two years now and still uh, I'm still like 20 pounds from my goal weight. Um, and the pandemic definitely slowed the weight loss in the last two months, especially I've been a little neglectful. Holidays. Uh, um, the holidays, I did allow for a lot of uh, a, a allowance of uh, calories, but I was still working out this whole time, basically. Um, and Kathy is uh, hoping to kind of start um, dieting as well. So I went to a local grocery store with the expe expectation of just getting some stuff for tonight's dinner. Like I was making pork chops and I was going to do uh, just all veggies on the side, right? Like I was going to have, uh, I wanted to do zucchini and squash. Um, and then I was going to do like cauliflower and some green beans, um, which is what I ended up doing. But while I was at the store, I ended up like shopping, shopping. Cause I was like, well, this is on sale and I, this would I'd be good to have this. And I wanted to make sure um, Kathy it has a sweet tooth and so do I. Um, but I, I had tamed it for a while and I've been pretty bad the last two months with allowing, um, started with my cheat days and then the cheat days started turning into cheat weeks, um, over the last couple of weeks, especially. So I wanted to make sure that there was some like sweet tooth stuff that was not high carb stuff. So like I got some of the, uh, Halo top ice cream. Um, I don't know if you've tried Halo top real What's good. A real big fan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then uh enlightened um ice cream bars which is what i if i go with the enlightened i really like their bars so they have keto friendly bars um and they're very very good and the the thing with halo top is you're gonna open a pint you're gonna probably eat the pint right like it's hard to not and, and they're made too because they tell you like the calorie count and the serving size is actually the pint not like half a pint which i think is just or just cruel or let's be real let's talk about the best ice cream in the history of the world ben and jerry's which is like four servings a pint yeah yeah because that's that? how people eat For ben and jerry's yeah yeah right 
ridiculous. Um, Mike Birbiglia, I think it was Birbiglia. No, it's Brian Regan had a stand-up uh, bit about um, the serving size of ice cream is when the spoon scrapes the bottom. Like that's, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's um, it's unrealistic. Uh, again, too, because there's no easy way to measure like the like when it's like four serving sizes. But nonetheless, um, I made sure we had some stuff like that, and I, I went. I ended up going full grocery shopping on accident today, which was fine. I needed to go grocery shopping this weekend, but I usually do like online pickup. And here I was just running in to grab something. And then I ended up in the store for a while. It wasn't super busy. So that's why I was kind of comfortable with it. But, um, and then I had forgotten that even this store, cause now with the pandemic, I think we were seeing a shift into like, uh, online ordering and picking up and having stuff brought to your car. Like we were seeing that becoming a more normalized feature of a lot of stores. But I think the pan the pandemic like expedited that process where a lot of stores have now added that. And, uh, our big local supermarket that you like a lot, um, has added that feature now where like they've got, uh, you have a few options where they'll bring it out to your car or they will, they have like cubbies basically at the front of the store where like you can just walk up and pick it up. And I, I witnessed uh, an employee shopping and I thought the employee just gotten off of work. And then I realized, like later realized what she was doing. She was pulling an order for a customer. I was like, oh, this is different here. Like I've seen this at other stores, but I had not seen it at this particular supermarket. Um, again, I've not been going into the supermarket as frequently uh, be- since the pandemic, especially. But um, it was, you know, it's little things like that that just I think we're going to see even once we, we get the uh, vaccine and hopefully get pan- the corona under control. I think you're going to see these major shifts in uh, how we do things and how we interact, which will be long lasting. And it's not, not a complaint necessarily, just kind of, a, a, I think we're not going to forget uh, the pandemic anytime soon, even if we are. Maybe not some it. of us. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Good point. I, Bill and I were talking today. We've eaten in a restaurant one time since late February, I think since my birthday and I had a panic attack, <laughs> and so I haven't been in a restaurant since, and I just don't know when I'll feel comfortable doing it again. Um, so, not to say we're not eating out, we're just, like, going yeah. through the drive through once a week, or, like, for our anniversary, we got takeout and brought it home, and tomorrow we're um, celebrating the New Year, because Bill had to work on the first, and we're gonna pick it up and bring it home, because I just can't mm. be in a restaurant. I have a couple of times I've, I've eaten um, in outdoor dining area several times. Um, I feel very comfortable in that scenario um, by comparison, at least. And I've eaten in a restaurant a few times and it's usually it's, I would say it's peer pressure. Uh, you know, I have a group of friends that we've um, I would say we're all very safe, but they're a little more willing to eat in a restaurant than I have been. Um, and so, like, I've eaten in a couple, but, like, I'm always very, like, if it's busy, I'm not going to go in kind of thing. Like, I am I have, like, ideas of when I when I won't do it kind of thing. So, you know, um, mm-hmm. but I totally get it because it still stresses me out. And uh, I know in this state in particular, we are acting as though it's not happening, even though, you know, most of my friend group, we are all taking it very seriously and uh, wear masks all the time. Um and so it's it's so weird still hearing like you know people in California who are still on lockdown lockdown and of course California is uh, accelerating. Um, our, our good friend of the podcast Matt, uh, from what I watched tonight, uh, is like in the epicenter in Europe right now, mm. um, and they're on like full lockdown there. Uh, he's I, he's told me yesterday he think he 
I don't know if it's a hundred percent or if it looks like they're going to be closing schools for all of January at this point because they're just that's where the strain broke the new mutated strain yep. which is now in uh, in Florida it's in Colorado it's in California. <laughs> um, so. I- I just watch too many, like, post-apocalyptic movies or, like, end-of-the-world movies that <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, um... Because wasn't the guy in Colorado the, like, or the person in Colorado, I can't even remember, hadn't they, like, not traveled or been in contact with anyone? I don't I know. I did see something like that, yeah, like, that there's no evidence of him traveling or something like that, so yeah, uh... I... Which, I mean, it's a mutation, so um, yeah. the, the concerning part is that it's, this, it's supposed to be the same strain, which either means it's mutating in different parts of the world the same, or somehow, despite this guy not traveling, he got it, meaning that it's traveled through other people who maybe just didn't get tested or okay. something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, who knows, but... Uh, you know, it's 2021, which honestly means nothing. I want everyone to remember that the change in the year does not change what's what we're going into. Um, we can be hopeful for this year, but you know, I think if we've learned anything in 2020 is that time is is a construct, um, and thus it <laughs> it's irrelevant. Matrix. Yeah, it doesn't matter that suddenly it's 2021. The pandemic doesn't follow our calendar or our time schedule, obviously, as it has harassed us relentlessly for months. Um, so still be safe. And, you know, stay hopeful, stay positive, but keep in mind that it's still not over just because we want it to be. So um, hopefully by the end of this year, we'll say, wow, 2021 sure was a great year. That's what I'm hoping for. But let's go in kind of quiet. And yeah, Uh, with that, let's take a look at what we've been watching since the last time we recorded. I've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, Corey, what have you been watching? Okay, um, I watched... The Body on Shutter. I okay. finished The Office. Oh, for like the uh, first time, right? Oh, no. Oh, okay. Um, For like the fifth or something time. But I hadn't wow. realized that Bill had never seen the final episode. Oh, wow. All those times I watched it. Um, I watched Let Us Pray on Shutter. Pray, P-R-E-Y. Okay, I think I've seen things of that one. Um, Misery, I rewatched. I had not seen that in a very long time. I have been meaning to rewatch that. I saw that in the theater as a kid. Dang. Um, I can't remember the actor's name right now, but he plays the dad in Elf too, so it was kind of yes. funny. <laughs> you know? I, I would know it any other time. I mean, for some reason, it's not coming to me. Um, can Kane Con. James Caan. I Perfect. it was like right there. But yes, uh, in many movies, isn't the Godfather uh oh, yeah. show, uh, at least the first two. Um I think the first two. I can't remember if he is only in one of them for one particular reason that would be a spoiler. But yeah, he's in that and I mean, he's in uh, he's in a lot of stuff. He's a good actor. Um I watched all six episodes of The Dead Wives Club on HBO, which is a true crime series. I watched Baby God, which if you're going to hmm. watch that, fasten your seatbelts, guys. Um, Bill and I watched um, Soul. Yep, yep. Uh, I started watching Lethal Weapon. I'm about halfway through it. I haven't seen that in a very long time. I like the Lethal Weapon. One and two a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up on those. My dad loved, you know, those movies. Um, mm-hmm. 
I watched all eight episodes <laughs> since last night of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Ah. And, I mean, I feel like that was pretty good for my uh, binge-watching there, guys. That's what I got. I don't remember if I'd finished Queen's Gambit before, like, we recorded last time, but I finished it now. Um, Recommend Queen's Gambit. Um, Then, since we recorded, I've watched a lot of Christmas movies. Um, I watched Christmas Do-Over, which is a tv movie that i'm a big fan of and i uh we bought several years ago it's um it's old tv movie like 2006 uh jay moore it's christmas groundhog day basically and so i like it um i watched the christmas story of course uh i rewatched klaus or klaus from um on netflix and i love that movie holds up really really well uh definitely recommend uh i suffered through wonder woman 1984 which you can hear my full review on our bloody awesome movie podcast at burkreviews.com um Matt and I both were not fans of the tragically disappointing Wonder Woman 84. I watched Baby Gut because you recommended it, so I, oh. I threw that on. Um, and it is a wild ride. Uh, crazy wild ride. Um, I finally I started trying to catch up with some 2020 movies that I'd missed, so I watched Enola Holmes on Netflix. I actually enjoyed that movie quite a bit. I'm, a, I'm kind of a sucker for the Sherlock Holmes character element, and um, Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things is playing his younger sister really like her i think she's uh this shows her her ability to really be the leading person i think um it drags a little at a few moments but overall it was enjoyable uh watch red dawn for this podcast i watched a documentary called dick johnson is dead it's not it's a documentary but it's also a fictional story you should definitely watch it it's on netflix um the idea is this uh filmmaker is kind of coming to terms with her dad getting older and having to die his dad her dad's name is dick johnson and um she poses to him uh about because he's a psychiatrist or psychologist i always get those confused um that she wants to make a movie about him dying and so the documentary is about like their relationship and like the process of making the film the mini films and then they make a series of mini films of him dying um, in a variety of ways, some very like shocking, tragic, some more believable and likely. Um, and so you get both as when you watch it. So it's entertaining. It's it's sad. It's unbelievably existential. It's definitely worth watching. Um, it's definitely a film, too, that has stayed with me. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. If you haven't heard of that, it's definitely worth watching. Um, it is Chadwick Boseman's official last movie, as my understanding, at least. Um, it is a play by the same guy who wrote Fences, whose name is now going to, uh, elude me. Hang on. Um, oh, crud. Is it Todd Black? I, nope, that's not it. Ruben Santiago Hudson? That doesn't sound right either. Um, oh, August Wilson. That's the guy, uh, who did, um, Fences that Denzel was starred in with Viola Davis. This movie has Viola Davis as well. Um, it is Chadwick Boseman's movie, in my opinion. Like, Viola's great, but Boseman steals the show. Uh, very, very good movie. Also on Netflix. Um, a lot of Netflix movies uh, this week. Speaking of, I watched a mockumentary um, by, called Death to 2020. Uh, it mm-hmm. is 100% mockumentary because everyone, like, Sam Jackson's in it, but he's not playing Sam Jackson. Um, he's playing, like, a reporter. Like, so, but it's, it's getting weird like kind of mixed i was like almost required to watch this by a, a co-worker and friend who like normally does not demand me of such things but she was like you need to watch this now and i'm like okay 
I can't right now, but I will watch it. So I did. Um, it's definitely engaging. It's only about an hour long. Uh, it, it is kind of a lot of commentary on last year and the craziness that it was. And it's uh, the, the people who do Black Mirror. So it's like embedded into it a little bit. But I watched what was a very kind of entertaining musical called The Prom. Um, it's also on Netflix. Uh, but it has a big cast. It's Meryl Streep, James Corden, Nicole Kidman, um, Keegan-Michael Key. Uh, there's a couple other people who are like familiar, but um, Tracy Ullman has a small part in it, um, which that's funny because she's also I don't I didn't recognize her in the prom, but she's also Tracy Ullman's in uh, uh, the Death of 2020. Um, she plays Queen Elizabeth in that, um, or at least a queen. I'm assuming it's supposed to be Elizabeth. Uh, I I mostly enjoyed the prom. Um, hardest part, James Corden is playing um, a little bit stereotypical gay guy uh a little a little too on the nose for the stereotypes and so i don't i definitely see it kind of being problematic um some of the songs are very catchy uh the the new the lead teenage girl because the premise is uh this town in, in i think kentucky uh cancel or maybe louisiana not louisiana louisville no, it's kentucky uh, something like that cancels their prom because a senior has come out as gay and she wants to bring a girl to the prom and so like the city like no way not acceptable um and the actress who's playing the lead is is uh this is her first movie at least um but i thought she was terrific and the performances were entertaining um i watched another round which is a mads mickelson film um he stars in the film it's not he's not directing um uh it is a finnish film or dutch film uh one of those danish danish film that's what it is uh, called another round um, Four high school teachers launch a drinking experiment uh, where I don't, I haven't looked into this, if there's any truth to this claim, but the, there's apparently a philosopher according to the movie who claims that um, we have, we were born with an alcohol deficiency that we should always maintain a 0.05% blood alcohol content to function properly. And so they, they test the hypothesis. Um, it's, it's a very interesting film. Um, it's funny at times. It's tragic at other times. It's uh, it's one compelling movie uh, for sure. Um, then last night, uh, while getting ready to watch the Dick Clark New Year's Countdown, which was surreal to see um, New York basically in weird pods, um, Kathy and I watched this film called Wendy, which is on HBO Max. Uh, it premiered, I think it's Sundance. I really, I'd heard about it. I was very intrigued by it. Um, it's a reimagining of Peter Pan from the point of view of Wendy Darling, who finds herself lost on a mysterious island where aging and time have come unglued. She must fight to save her family, her freedom, and the joyous spirit of youth. Um, all mostly non-actors. These are like a lot of kids, uh, their first movie. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Kathy was app apprehensive. She basically was like, just pick a movie. I'm probably going to fall asleep. Like she was kind of ready to take a nap, even though it was like seven o'clock. And uh, she watched the whole thing. And um, yeah, she, she liked it a lot. I also liked it a lot. I cried a couple times, um, thought it was uh, really good. I could also see people not liking this. It, it has a Florida project kind of vibe to it with the, uh, the, the, it's definitely Peter Pan. Like there's no question that it's Peter Pan. It's a, it's an own version. I really enjoyed that a lot. Actually it's modernized. Um, so it's like, it feels like kids from today as opposed to it being like, you know, out, out of time, but it's, 
it's very very i don't know i i liked it a lot um i liked the some of the messages that were embedded in it um for sure and then today because it's the first day of 2021 i had to pick i had to be mindful what movie did i want to start my year with um partly because letterbox tells you what you started and what you ended with uh and um so i was like what, what do i want to start with and matt and i are going to be reviewing soul uh, for our podcast, the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, on Tuesday. So I went ahead and watched Soul as my first movie for this year. And I don't think I chose poorly. Uh, I, I love Pixar. I don't think there's any secret to that. I I frequently enjoy their movies. But Soul hit in so many ways for me um, because of the uh, the musician element, the teacher element, um, even the idea of when I started teaching, I took a day job so I could be in the band because i'd have weekends off and nights off and it was like hey this is the perfect gig for uh making it as a musician um and then i quit teaching after three years and had quit like i fully quit like i took all of my anything i had like if there was sick time or retirement i, I closed out my account so to speak and moved on um after a year of managing a music store that Corey and i have talked about many many times um I uh, and they almost closed my store while I was there and then decided not to close my store, which is where I was like, wow, you you people are stupid. Um, I left and went back to teaching and found my my passion, which I've now been at the same school for uh, ele- officially 11 years now because um, I, I was hired in 2010 um, and now it's 2021. So uh, I literally January of 2010, I started at, at my school. Um, so. I've been there for a long time and this movie hit a lot of those beats for me. And it's also a Pixar movie. So it's fun. Uh, I cried. I can't tell you how many times during soul. Um, I, I really, really love it. I can't believe uh, that Disney pay, made people pay $30 from Mulan um, to watch it early right. and did not do that for soul. And I'm grateful because I got to enjoy soul um, way more than I would have expected uh, to get to do it so soon. So uh, a little disappointed that I didn't get to see it in the theater, of course. Not blaming Disney for that, just blaming COVID. So, um, yeah. And uh, today, after I finished Soul, um, I've been kind of playing some uh, video games. And uh, in the background, I had uh, Co- Cobra Kai Season 2. Season 3 dropped today on Netflix. But if you don't know this about Cobra Kai, it started as a YouTube um I think it was, I can't even remember what YouTube Red, I think was what they were first called when they started trying to do like their own content. And Cobra Kai was one of the first like big shows that they had. And I, I already had YouTube Red. So I watched it because I was, I'm a huge fan of the original Karate Kid trilogy. Um, and if you're not familiar with it, it is, uh, you're following Johnny Lawrence, who was in the first Karate Kid film, um, and him trying to rebuild his life uh, by restarting the Cobra Kai dojo. Um, and then Daniel LaRusso, who is, you know, the Karate Kid, the self-titled Karate Kid, um, uh, isn't okay with that. And so, like, they had a feud back then. Now they're still feuding. And I really like season one. Um, I never made it to season two for some reason. I just never got to it. And I've been meaning to watch it since they put it on Netflix. Um, and then Netflix, I think, moved up the release of season three by, like, 24 days. It was supposed to come out at the end of the month. And they were like, you know what, let's just drop it beginning of the year. And uh, so I was like, hey, I'm going to try to catch up with season two so I can watch season three. And I got I got to say, I really am impressed with what they've done with this show because it, it is a great example of how to continue um, a property. Because one, I mean, you're looking at like 
30 plus years have gone by since the original Karate Kid. And these two guys are definitely committed to being the same characters, but also like there's growth and there's development and uh, there's frustration because I think like as a fan, you're just like, oh my gosh, if you would just talk for five seconds, like I think you guys could work it out. But it also is understandable why these two guys can't work it out. Like you totally get it. And I, I just, the young people they brought in to kind of be the, uh, the new students are great. Um, I, I'm, like it, it's got the the drama elements just like in those the the old movies you know there's some cheesy stuff in the old karate kid movies and that's it's in this series but uh if you're a fan of karate kid i highly recommend checking out cobra kai it is a really well-made show um i have i didn't re-watch season one but i i like season one when it started uh season two definitely feels like they upped their game a little bit like you could see like I think everyone grew into the characters a little more and it's, it's a tighter show overall. So I'm, I'm excited for season three. Uh, I still have a few episodes left of season two before I get to season three, but I am going to just move right into it. So a lot of stuff, apologies folks, but I am on still on Christmas break and I, I decided I needed to break. Um, so I was throwing a lot of movies on in the background and stuff while I was working um, or not working, relaxing. So um, that's what I've been watching. And with that, uh, Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will be getting into our review of Red Dawn from 1984. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts, covering the entire movieverse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers. And we're back. Uh, Red Dawn, 1984. Neither Corey nor I have seen this. And this falls into, again, our 80s action movie category, McTurnbo. Um, it is directed by John Milius. Uh, written by Kevin Reynolds and John Milius. And I think one other person. Stars. We got some uh, big 80s stars before they were stars. Patrick Swayze as Jed. I didn't actually remember his name being Jed. See Thomas Howell as Robert, who, of course, those two will be together in The Outsiders or work together in The Outsiders. I always forget what year Outsiders is. Uh, Leah Thompson, um, most famous for Back to the Future. Charlie Sheen, almost unrecognizable. I didn't actually see him for like a good like he was there, but I wasn't recognizing him. Um, Darren Dalton, uh, who is not super famous, but Jennifer Grey, um, who, you know, this is before Dirty Dancing. So her and Swayze have a history. Um and then you get some uh, some very small parts. But Harry Dean Stanton, did you catch him? Yes. Um, he, he plays Jed's dad. Um, you get uh, Powers Booth, um, who plays the soldier who comes in to help out at some point. Um, and a few other people, but those are the big recognizable names. Um, the premise is it is the dawn of World War Three in Midwestern America. A group of teenagers band together to defend their town and their country from invading soviet forces it has a 53 meta score a 6.4 imdb user score and was remade not too long ago uh with chris hemsworth in the role of jed i mean um was that necessary well let's real quick uh, it has a <laughs> Sorry. 31 meta score a 31 meta score and a 5.4 imdb user score uh and the cast is not as successful um long term i mean hemsworth super big right big big uh it also has Josh Peck, who has not done much else outside of Drake and Josh. He's done a few other things. Um, Josh Hutcherson, who was in the Hunger Games films. 
Um, Adrian Pelecki, who sounds familiar, but I can't think of what she's in. Um, Isabel Lucas. And, oh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's in it, though, who plays the Powers Booth character, which I totally see him doing. He's such a um, good bad guy. That's, uh, I don't think that's the bad guy, though. I think that's the good guy in that one. But he is a good bad guy. Mm-hmm. Not to dispute that. I just think about him in The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where I definitely love him. I like him as the comedian in The Watchmen, too. Oh. I... The, the movie, not the show. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a long time. Since theaters, mm-hmm. I think. That's one of the only Zack Snyder films that I, I am a fan of. Um, well, Red Dawn. Corey, this was your pick. Why don't you start us off? What would you think of the movie that came out? Um, August 10th. So... I was two years old and three days when this movie came out in theaters. Uh, I was not yet born. We're not going to talk about when I was born because I like lying about that. But um, I'm sorry. <laughs> like I wanted to marry Patrick Swayze when I grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, my husband knows this. He was second in line. No, I'm kidding. Um. You know, I just love Dirty Dancing so much, like, from an inappropriate five-year-old, like, that's inappropriate for five-year-old to watch, up until, like, now. I love it, you know? Um, I, and of course I've seen Ghosts, but I haven't seen that since I was, again, probably too young to, you know, but I was thinking about adding this to our list when we did our Patrick Swayze month, but I th- yeah. think I went with Roadhouse instead, which Swayze. <laughs> I don't know. So I was not really impressed with anything about this movie. I know that it's before a lot of them get famous, you know, but yeah, I wasn't impressed with, the story i wasn't impressed with the acting i wasn't impressed with i don't know it wasn't even like just a good action movie to just oh this is stupid but this is fun you know what i mean yeah i feel no, like yeah they i don't know we also watched a video for it which we can talk about in spoilers if you'd like but sure yeah so i mean i I actually thought it was pretty boring. I usually try not to look at my phone and stuff when I'm watching movies for this, but it just seemed very long. It was almost two hours long, and that was not necessary. And, yeah, it feels longer than two hours, yeah. uh, to be honest. And like even the storyline is just not believable at all. And it wasn't even like where I can detach and be like, "Oh, it's just a movie, and I'm in it." You know, mm. I don't know. Well. So this movie definitely is one a great example of a movie that ages poorly um, because it starts off with a teacher being shot um, and a child and then several children. Uh, So in 1984, to be fair, school shootings were not a thing. Um, And in 2021, as a teacher who has literally had to do, I can't even tell you how many lockdown drills and trainings and things um in my my 15 years of teaching at this point that uh it was unsettling to start a movie with that for me i was just like um please don't kill the teacher and they like they killed the teacher i was just like okay this is real dark real fast and it that's that's not a spoiler that's the opening sequence basically um patrick swayze drops his brothers off at high school 
tells him not to screw up. I think one of them is his brother. I, I actually, I have very little understanding of who anybody is in this movie, to be real. Like, it was, I mean, like, I know, like, you are so-and-so, and you are this actor. I recognize you. I don't fully understand their characters. I, I at one point, thought there were way more people in the woods than there are. Um <laughs> I, I had I was having a hard time keeping up with what was going on. Uh, I I found this to be um, two things: uh, a little gross, um, which we'll get into in spoilers. Why uh, it, it did feel very much like glorifying war and violence, and I don't. I I have I often find myself in conflict with my opinions on action films because I I really enjoy like martial art films. I am a big fan of the John Wick franchise, and they are killing people left and right in John Wick. At least though. I- in John Wick, we are told everybody's essentially a hitman and or assassin. So everybody's bad. So you can kind of detach yourself and not feel like it's real. It doesn't feel like reality at all. This movie doesn't feel like reality, but it still feels like it's dealing with real things. And that was hard to detach from. Um, and especially because it, it seemed to be saying, oh, uh, there is a oh, man. I don't I don't know if it's considered a spoiler but the male toxicity that emanates from this film is enough to kind of be too much uh where that's enough to that's enough of a reason to not enjoy this movie is then there's other stuff that like a sign of the times though because very possible sometimes Um, we write that off and we're like you know what i mean like sure i don't know but i i think that um I, I agree, and I feel like a lot of times when I do write that kind of stuff off, um, it's either because I was already a fan before, and so it's like it didn't bother me when I first saw it, so I'm okay with it. Where like I'm watching this for the first time with my current position, um, and so it's hard to separate that if it's so blatant because it's not even like it's it's inter- it's outright. M- boys are told you can't cry, keep it in let it turn to something else essentially let your your sadness turn to anger so that you can kill people relentlessly and that is that's nerve-wracking and scary to me um as as a a person who literally admitted to crying through at least four movies just now uh recently and that's something that took a long time for me i was very much against crying for a long time i used to hold it in i would like choke back tears um and i still i still do a little bit um but I am much more comfortable with admitting that I cry and I'm, I'm okay with crying. I still don't really want people to see me cry or something like that, but I, I don't think it's wrong for a person to cry or let's be specific here, a man to cry. And this movie is saying the total opposite. And that's a small, it's a small moment, but it, it kind of exemplifies the amount of, violence that they're encouraging in the film but it happens at least twice that i can think of it does yeah uh harry dean stanton's character is one of those uh who says something along those lines too yeah and i'm like please don't because we saw you in paris texas (laughs) so um Mm -hmm. i don't want to say that we write it off but i think that we sometimes i feel like when something's in a movie and it's a sign of the time maybe if that movie was made now they would not do that or maybe i don't know like i'm not saying when we write it off that we say it's okay no i know what you mean um a good example was uh bill and ted's um Mm -hmm. you mentioned in the original film that they they say uh 
the slang derogatory term for a gay person, the F word, if you will. Um, and, you know, I was like, well, it's a sign of the times. And it was, it 100% was. Uh, I don't think that's debatable at all. It doesn't necessarily mean we should accept it or just be okay with it. But I also, you know, and that's, I'm not saying we like erase Red Dawn from history, but I do think that we need to be aware of the the, the things. Because here's, I think this was, um, this is brought up in the video that we will talk about, but um, this is not a spoiler. This is just kind of the idea. This movie isn't very good and it's problematic. Right. If this movie was really well made or like artsy or at least had a overall positive message like Bill and Ted, which I think Bill and Ted Excellent Adventure has a tremendously positive message, despite the few little negative things that come out of it. This movie feels like it's not a positive message um, other than, you know, if you if you interpret elements of it to be patriotic, it would be hard to say it's not uh positive i guess because it is good to love your country and to want your country to uh stand for certain values and things that you think are are important if it's not being read as patriotic and instead maybe nationalistic i'm not sure if that's the right way to say that but if it's a nationalist film instead where your nation is the best regardless of behavior and reality well then it gets extremely problematic um and again, like, like you said, these performances aren't great. There's some weird care. There's the powers booth character. Okay. I can't get into it. Cause that is definitely a spoiler, but there's some weird relationships in this movie anyways, like that are uncomfortable. And it's just like, what is happening? Like, I don't, I don't fully like parts of the movie. Um, the action's not particularly great. Uh, so it's not like you're like wrapped up in the action or the intensity of it. Um, it's not that it's bad either. The the music's not. There's nothing about this movie that I'm like, yes, Red Dawn. Totally get why this movie still people talk about. I feel like the I feel about this movie the way I feel about Roadhouse. I'm like, how do people love this? Yeah, and it's ag- again, Roadhouse. Man, Roadhouse boy, that was something. Um, <laughs> That's all we have to say. Official review. Uh. But, you know, I'm a fan of a lot of the people in this movie. Like, I really like Leah Thompson. I'm a big Back to the Future fan, obviously. And uh, I, I often like Harry Dean Stanton. And this is like, this is not his early movie. Like some of the, the, the young people, you kind of can't blame. They're trying to make it. They're just trying to get, you know, they're taking work. You know, they got a job. They're taking the job. And I don't think they particularly do anything wrong. I think some of the characters are really badly written. But um, I it clearly, Corey and I, not a fan of red dawn let's uh let's get into spoilers so we can talk a little more freely about why guys excuse me i'm so sorry (laughs) from here on out we're going to talk about red dawn in great detail you have been warned so i i have uh the video we watched was um oh i'm gonna forget the name of the series uh the it's like right on the tip of my tongue renegade cut um is the youtube channel and series and he uh pulled no punches uh calling this out as propaganda now, before, I, I don't even know if I'm going to say if I agree or disagree with him. However, um, I I teach film uh, to high school kids. So I often have to be mindful of, you know, are the movies that I'm picking conveying my point of view on something? You know, um, am I picking movies that all seem to say the same thing? And that's one-sided and not really what I want to do. Um, and it got me thinking, uh, like, what's the difference 
um, of propaganda or a film that has a, uh, a clear and present message. And I have found that it's a thin line. It ultimately, I think, tends to fall into your perspective. Um, if you disagree with what the movie's saying, the movie's going to feel more like propaganda. And I, I think the Renegade Cut does a really good job of explaining what officially is propaganda. But I think as far as people interpreting content, which is how we, you know, how you view everything is through your own experiences and your own lens, um, is going to be a bigger factor as to whether a film feels like propaganda or not. This particular movie to me, I did feel was very much at the very least like pro-war and I'm not. Yeah, it is glorifying it. I felt that way. And I am very much against war. I am not against our soldiers. I don't blame the soldiers. I don't blame, you know, I don't even necessarily blame our country for some of the wars we've been involved in. However, if a war can be resolved, I would much rather it be resolved. I don't want people to die in general. Um, and so the idea of war is never an easy one for me. And why, like, this, I wouldn't call this a war movie. And I think that's where there you get into problems. Like, you watch, um, like, uh, Full Metal Jacket or Saving Private Ryan um, or uh, what was that other Kubrick film we watched um, with, uh, oh, I want to forget what it's called. It was really good, though. Um, it was a World War One movie. Oh, I can't think of the name of it. But uh, 1917, though, which I saw like right after we watched that other one. Um, those movies was it the do a good one? job. Of... What was it? The one about the It was the trial of like the guy, the general who um, was accused of being a coward at, in war. Oh, you muted your mic, Corey. I don't know how I did that. Um, ah. But I was thinking, because we've watched uh, quite a few of we did. them. It's the Kirk Douglas film. I don't know why I can't think of what it's called. Right? It's Paths of Glory. That's it. That's it. Paths of Glory. Um, so, like, those movies show war. And they show the horrors of war. They also show the honor and valor of soldiers and camaraderie and, and fighting for your country. <laughs> but I never felt like war was glorified, and at least not the movies I just listed off. Um, I think they often show the horror of war and they, they let you sit in it. And again, it's not to say there can't be heroes, but they, they are showing you the terror. And Red Dawn definitely doesn't feel like it's it's showing both sides. It feels very much like, no, war is, you gotta fight, you gotta kill the bad guys, they're the enemies. And it's it feels too much like an action movie in a in a way that like doesn't work for the, the type of setting it is. I don't know, it just feels... When I think of like the action movies that I can get behind, like John Wick or The Matrix or um, like Die Hard or Rambo, even which is does deal with some. It's been a long time since I've seen Rambo, but I know Rambo the the new one. I didn't agree with. I hated the new one, the most recent Last Blood, I think is what it's called. Mm. Um, but you know, like and like Terminator, I can get into all of those movies despite many people dying in those films, fictionally of course. But this, like the the kills were were it was dark. They were kids. And that was kind of messed up in its own way. Like watching these kids, like killing people. And then like the drinking of the blood from the hunt, not from a person, but still like, I was just like, that's crazy. Um, the renegade cut does some really makes some really strong points. Um, I don't necessarily agree with everything he says, mind you, but I, I definitely, when I was watching it, my first, I was like, this feels kind of gross. 
And that was where I kind of landed on it. Yeah. I So for that video for the Renegade cut, it was like 15 minutes long, which is fine. Is. Um, but he was saying that, like, you know, that this director, everything that he's putting on the screen is, you know, to make us feel a certain way or something. Or I can't remember his exact verbiage, but I mean, isn't that what every director does? Um, well, every every director with something to say, uh, there are definitely directors who don't um, have something to say. But I mean, even documentaries, they're not showing you everything. They're showing you what no. they want you to see. Correct. I don't know. Um, film, film is art. It's manipulation. And it, it needs to always be known that, yes. Um, but I, I actually think that was the point he was making, is that this if you look at what the director's stance is on a lot of these issues and, and mm. topics, um, it, it helps to cement the propaganda piece. And again, um, I don't know for sure that propaganda is dangerous, but propaganda is also, it, it's things that are far less severe sometimes, you know, like propaganda can be something very, very simple that it's pushing its agenda. And it may not be like a real controversial topic. It's when it becomes a controversial type topic or when it can push towards um, violence or, uh, you know, alienation or isolation of a type of person or type of people that you get into concerns, right? Like Nazi propaganda is a very concerning thing because of the way it pushes and, and proclaims whole groups of people to be evil or villainous or need to be exterminated. And that's where propaganda is very, very dangerous, especially if you can't identify it as such. And more, I think even if you can't identify that what you're watching has a message, has a point of view, um, if you're just thinking that, like a documentary, like what you just said, is very, very important that people always have to remember, documentaries are never the whole truth. In that, um, sometimes it's not even possible to be the whole truth you won't you weren't there to film something you weren't there to witness something you weren't there to capture it and it doesn't even have to be the intention of the filmmaker or the editor to leave something out in those scenarios right sometimes you just didn't have that footage or you wanted to get an interview with so and so and they wouldn't do it and so you don't have that represented in the in the movie it's still if you present it as this is all of the facts and there's facts left out if you aren't aware of that as the viewer you are susceptible to being misled or, or guided towards something like think um, Blackfish, which was a, I, a film I still have not been able to bring myself to watch, I haven't watched but it. I know so much about it's basically shut down SeaWorld as we've always known it. It still exists, but there will never be another killer whale show after the current shows are done. Once those whales have ceased, they're, they're not supposed to do them anymore. And it's all as a result of Blackfish, which probably is the right thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that that movie had a clear goal there. Uh, there was no question what it was looking to do. And so that's a bias immediately because it has a, an agenda. So yes, cinema, I think in general, we should always know that a filmmaker is going to be saying something from their perspective and their point of view. Uh, one of my favorite films over the last couple of years, blind spotting. There's no question that David Diggs and Rafael Casal had an idea, had an, a point of view, had a perspective that they wanted to put on screen. Um, and I think that is a good example of a film that if you disagree with their perspective, you might call their film propaganda. 
because it is clearly selling a, a, a message about, I would say you could argue it's saying a message about police um, and uh, specifically the police of Oakland. Um, and, and if you disagree with their point of view about how police are represented on the screen, you might consider it propaganda. I don't think it is propaganda, um, but I agree with their point of view in that particular film. So I, I, I do think it's worthy of note and it's something that we should always be aware of. And that's why I spend a lot of time when I teach a film to my students is teaching cultural context. So like what's going on in the world at that time, what's happening um, because it's reflective, uh, you know, here, um, Red Dawn, uh, Cold War, still a thing. Um, fear of Soviets are, are strong. You have Reaganomics and, and Reagan era politics happening. Um, and I think you see a lot of that on the screen. And I think that's an important contextual element. Um, I, and honestly, uh, Wonder Woman 84 has a lot of uh, the Reagan era stuff in it because it's set during that time period. So there's a lot of stuff there. But you got to remember that that movie wasn't made in the 80s. It's made now. And so can we look at parallels from our political climate now to the Reagan era? I think Wonder Woman 84 handles it pretty poorly. And I think this movie does too. Um, I think it's got stuff there. I don't know that it, it handles it or has any like definitive commentary. And I definitely don't agree with all of the commentary. And I think that will affect someone's enjoyment of this movie overall. So there you have it. Agreed. Um, I, I would say if you're a, a fan, I'm ready to rate this. Are you? Yeah, you can go first. Um, if, if you're a fan of the cast, I think this is one of those films where it's probably good to give it a watch um, for context. Um, so I would say uh, not a total waste of time just because of the cast. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a completionist, so I like to like work through people's filmographies and stuff. So I'm glad to check this one off the, the Swayze list. Um, because, you know, that's of the actors. That's the one who I'm going to probably see more of their movies overall. That's true. I have been wanting to watch you know, all of his movies. Um, I'm, I don't think it's a, I'm going to go with not a total waste of time. I don't think it's quite avoid like the plague. I don't feel like yeah, I lost yeah. anything watching it. It's overall like competently made. It's not, it's not a, it's not like a terrible, terrible movie. It's not a, it's not a great movie and it's definitely pretty boring in my opinion. Um, you know, but and that could be just eighties, you know, time to now time. I I do find myself getting, uh, more and more bored with older, like, not all older films because that's silly. But there are films like this where it just was like, come on, guys, does it need to be this long Wrap it for up. real? Like, Wrap it up. <laughs> um, and if the story was more engrossing or more engaging, maybe I wouldn't have felt that way. But all right, that's our take on Red Dawn. It may not be a popular one. I know we know a lot of people love this movie. We just didn't. And again, this could be like when we watched the Goonies. You know, we didn't, neither of us saw the Goonies as a kid. It didn't really click for us. Oh, you had? Yeah. Why do I always think you hadn't? I don't know. I know that you and you and Mike don't really like it. I liked it as a kid. I mean, watching it again as an adult with you know my adult eyeball balls. It's I don't think it's wonderful yeah and i didn't hate it either but it's still like it's a movie that i know a lot of people who love yeah i do think it is overrated and i was just like well, okay i guess and so <laughs> you know sometimes it just doesn't happen um 
our next movie, though, uh, we're continuing with McTurbo, our 80s action films. We're going to uh, 48 Hours um, with Eddie Murphy. And I think that is Nick Nolte, right? Um, yes, Nick Nolte, Eddie Murphy. Uh, I feel like I probably have seen parts of this movie. Um, I I definitely have seen Beverly Hills Cop, uh, but neither have I seen for a long, long time. So this felt like one to, to visit and make sure I can really say I've seen it. Um, so I'm looking forward to checking out 48 Hours. It is available digitally wherever you can rent or buy movies. Uh, it appears to also be available on Stars right now. So if you have Stars, you can check that out. Um, I will eventually have to subscribe to Stars because I want to see the Blind Spotting TV series that's coming out. Oh. But it is uh, our our main two guys uh, are involved in the production, but their their characters are not supposed to be regulars on the show. Um, but it is Ashley, which is um, Rafael Casal's character's girlfriend. Uh, it's her, the kid, and I think her family because um, he's ended up in jail. Is the my understanding um, in the in the show, and that's how he'll he'll be on episodes where like they visit him in jail or whatever. Um, but uh, we'll be back next week with our review of Forty Eight Hours. So if you want to check that out in advance and let us know your thoughts, you can leave a voice message for us on our podcast, and we might play it on the episode, or you can just reach out to us on social media. I'm at Burke Reviews on Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox, and of course BurkeReviews.com. And Corey at Career Star Two Hours on the end. And if you like what we're doing, we ask that you take a minute, rate and review the podcast. It helps other people find us. Um, it's 2021, folks. Let's stay safe, keep masking up, and, of course, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.